0: Welcome to Pondering from the Perch, the official podcast of Little Bird Marketing. Sydney Montana is the CEO and co-founder of Planable, a content review and marketing collaboration platform used by over 4,000 teams at brands like Jaguar Land Rover, Viber, and World Food Program. Prior to launching Planable, at just 20 years old, she built a digital marketing agency and she led social for clients like Coca-Cola. I think you've heard of them. Zinny has been recognized on the Forbes 30 under 30 list, and she spoke on the innovation stage at Cannes Lions in 2018. In this episode, we talk about real life as agency owners, what it's like to work on content teams, what is hard for us, what is easy for us, and what can be done to collaborate. I hope you enjoy this episode. Cynthia, I am so excited to have you on the show. We have met through just really making a genuine connection online because we're in like fields and we really do have something to talk about. So this is uh, for those of you who have not met her. uh, This is Cynthia Montana and she is going to talk with us about all things (laughs) related to what it takes to actually get marketing plans organized. So welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm, I'm very excited to do this.
0: Yeah, well, we do have some real interesting similarities from agency ownership. So yeah. let's dive in and talk about your experience. What were you doing, owning an agency? What were you feeling? What was going on? What was your day to day and kind of some of your like, what were the hassles that were emerging?
1: Yeah, definitely. So, um, a few years ago, uh, before starting plannable, I, uh, started my first, you know, official business. I had a few other ventures before starting my agency, but my agency was like my first. Official, serious, you know, business that I have ever started. And I was so, so excited about starting an agency. I think it was my dream since I was in in high school. Since I was a teenager, I was nerding on advertising. So starting my own thing was big for me. It was, you know, a dream coming, coming true. So I was really excited about doing it. The team was, you know, very small. Uh, We were five to six people and we were very, you know, focused on delivering social media services for clients. Back then social media was very new in <laughs> Eastern Europe. So we, we it was a bit of pioneering, it was a bit of you know educating clients. On uh, the ROI of social media, on the power of it, you know, convincing them that it makes sense to invest in, in social media. So it was exciting. It was you know a bit of innovation that we were doing back then. Uh, so I was really passionate about the space. I was really passionate about building you know my own business, and I learned a lot during those two uh, two to three years when I was uh, building the agency. And it was. It was an exciting time. It was an interesting time to work with clients on content. We were building a lot of uh, content for social, for their Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram pages. But at the same time, I learned about the challenges uh, the industry has. I remember that when I started my agency, I was excited about the creative and the strategy part of the industry. But then in a few months, I realized that I was doing so much Admin work, so much tedious tasks um, that a lot of my work was actually you know focused on you know formatting spreadsheets and presenting decks to clients. So I quickly learned that we as an industry could do things so much better in terms of how we work together as a team, you know, and how we work together with clients. Um, it was really frustrating for me to spend so much time in in PowerPoints and Excel and trying to, yeah, trying to gather feedback from clients on the content that we were producing was, it was, you know, it was painful. Um, and I, I was, you know, I felt like it was really, you know, in a way killing my creativity um, because it was just not a delightful way of working, you know, being, you know, so cluttered with all those documents uh, scattered around, you know, trying to gather all the feedback from everyone internally, but also from the clients in one single place. I felt like it was a bit of a very archaic process Um, and I was trying to organize it to make it more elegant um, and, you know, I didn't find, you know, any tools to
0: do that, that, that I, I really loved. So I, I built my own. <laughs> I love it. So what's kind of the irony here is that you were feeling the pain of this archaic process, of you, as you would describe it, but for a, a ironically, very innovative and very modern way of going yeah. to market.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, I 100% agree. It's. Yeah, like social media is the most innovative. It's the newest channel, mm-hmm. but we're using the same traditional tools of working with this content. We don't have anything that is really adapted uh, to this way. It's still Google Docs. It's still you know Microsoft Outlook. It's still the same same kind of tools we've used for marketing since you know since they were invented. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like we need to tra- to transform a bit the way we work. Uh, you know on on the the new formats of content that that arrived in the past few years.
0: Well, I know that you would agree being so young and 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 um, you know managing such large brands for social media. I do believe you would agree with me when we say that this short format or short content type of advertising, is actually has pieces of it that is actually much harder than the long format and the long content type type of marketing, but yet the feedback process seem to have gone into like a kind of a match for match. So if you want to do a social media post, okay, here, it's a small blip. I'll give you a small blip of feedback. But actually, you still need to have the big, long conversations about the strategy behind social media and why this post is being framed this way or why this visual is being used. But yet, it's almost like sometimes people don't have the patience for it because uh, it's just a small piece. It's just a it's just a post. Just get it out.
1: Yeah, I, I, I love this question. I love this question so much. So first of all, yes, it is so, so, so hard to write short content. You know, there's like this, uh, you know, this thing, you know, about... I didn't have enough time to write shorter. You know, uh, people say that stuff. Oh, know. that's
0: a Mark Twain quote. I didn't have yes. time to write you a short letter, so I wrote yes. you a long one instead.
1: Yes, yes, <laughs> that's correct. Yes. So it's it's really it's really hard to to write short. You know, micro content. Yes. Um, and you definitely need need to have a conversation before starting. You know, before deploying. Uh, you know, the content before deploying your series of micro content, because if you have a conversation only on each piece of micro content, only on each post, it's not going to be relevant to your overall strategy. It's just going to be focused only on that, you know, on that specific post and you're not going to have the you know the bird's eye view you're not gonna have the larger picture if you focus only on each post at a time. So you need to have that conversation before you start building you know every every single uh, post every every piece of content. Uh, you need to make sure that you're aligned you know with your client that you understood their needs that everything you know you're you're doing is on brand. It's you know it really ties to their business. Uh, business goals and business objectives, and you need to have that conversation with them, you need to lay out that strategy, and then you need to start producing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I totally I totally agree with what you said.
0: Yeah, and you and I came to this place where we just realized we were banging our heads against a wall, and we really <laughs> yeah. felt that this industry could use a much better way to effectively manage the challenges for content teams specifically. And yep. I think it's interesting because we then that's where our paths diverge. You went and said, "I'm going to build mm-hmm. this elegant thing myself." <laughs> and yeah. uh, and I went and said, "I'm going to find these tools and I'm going to put them together and put them in a strategy and use them." So, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the process of how you went about building that. That this show is a little bit about kind of pulling the curtain back and saying, "Well, how did you make this happen? You know, this we could all feel that, and I certainly felt it with you, but I took a very different tact. So tell us a little bit about the experience of, of actually going about building this more uh, innovative and uh, really more, um, what would you call that? Like, it's not just modern, but it's, it's, it's immediate view yeah. and real-time view and, you know, of what's going on for content teams. So tell me about that process.
1: So I didn't build it at first. (laughs) In the first, in the first, you know, phase, I started looking for tools like the one I had in my mind. Um, So you know, I tried tools like uh, like Buffer, and I tried tools like Hootsuite, you know, internally, but also with my clients. But none of those tools felt like they were actually solving my problems. Of getting myself aligned and you know getting the content very well organized and you know having a very real time planning process so i didn't feel like those tools were solving my my problem so that's when i continued because in the first place i was like oh there must there must probably be a tool like this on the market it's you know it's very improbable that i'm the only one struggling with this so someone has probably built it uh, and when i didn't find anything that was Solving the problem in the way I wanted to. Um, that's when that's when you know I started you know thinking about this. And luckily enough, you know uh, my current co-founder, my current technical co-founder, he was working in an agency at that time. So he saw that problem with his uh, you know his own colleagues. He saw how they were working on social media campaigns, how they were building content, and how much they struggled. And he noticed that those things could have, you know, been so much simpler, so much more efficient. And that's, you know, when we connected and we we started talking about that and we started building Planable like it is uh, today. But lucky enough, I had someone else. I had a co-founder that validated... Um, the problem and the idea and the solution that I was thinking about. And he was also luckily technical. So we could do that together.
0: Uh, so yeah, that is very, very lucky. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I remember those experiences. In fact, I, I was in a different office at that time. And so all those feelings are it's like, you know, how you can remember yourself at a specific desk at a specific time and place. Mm-hmm. And I remember having all those feelings, like certainly someone has built this. <laughs> and And then kind of, you know, tinkering around Around. And it does take a lot of times. We, we we spent eighteen months tinkering around on all different kinds of sites um, before we landed on becoming a, a HubSpot agency. Yeah. And I've always been, you know, very transparent with clients. You know, we we believe in tra- in in HubSpot and we use it a lot. Um, but the reason why you and I start a conversation is because I'm always learning and I'm always curious. And one particular platform is not right for every client.
1: I agree. Yes. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs>
0: so tell us what is like. Having said that, then my my, my listeners are going to be thinking, yeah, but is this good mm-hmm. for? Should I tinker around with this? So tell us what it is really perfect for. Who's your ideal client? You know, what is it? Re- what you know? How is Planable? Um, you know as a system you know what is it really great at
1: Yeah so I think pliable is perfect when you're a team of marketers working on social content so more than three people i would say that's kind of the sweet spot you know starting with three people it actually becomes very very valuable if you're just one single individual working on social media content this might not be right for you so if you're a bigger team you know three people and more and not necessarily all of you guys creating posts all day all night but um you know starting with three people that are involved in the social media content production. So maybe someone's a social media manager, someone's a designer, someone, you know, is a video producer, you know, the marketing manager, and everyone has an overview over what's being created on social or is involved in a way. So that's when it starts to get really, really useful. Um, It is very useful um, for both, you know, uh, internal marketing teams, but also for the agency client relationship. Um, For the agency client relationship, the problem is really, really obvious because you have multiple, you know, clients and you need a way to be able to organize all the feedback that's coming from them on the posts that you've created, to be able to, you know, manage approvals, to showcase your work in a very sleek and elegant way so the problem is really you know really obvious for the agency client relationship and i think you know it's an agency even if you have only one client then Planable can can definitely bring value even at at that stage you know because you can just simplify and very very much streamline the way you work with that client and you're going to find out that so much time you know you can save so much time that can be you know used instead on you know better content better strategies for that client and you're just going to have you know a better relationship with those you know those um with those clients uh and on the internal side if you're an internal marketing team that is doing social media in-house for your brand then Planable can also be super super useful if you're you know a few people that are involved uh on this channel and then you know you can you can get involved managers you can showcase you know the work that you've been producing on the social media side with everyone else from the company uh, so that's, you know when
0: when there's a collaboration process that's when you should you know, totally is planable. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. So you, we talked a little bit, you know, about Buffer Who's Sweet. You said you even tinkered on those and, and yeah. um, kind of started looking. And we've had uh, Nicholas Holland from one of the BizDev uh, VPs from uh, from HubSpot on the show. And so I'd like to give you an opportunity to kind of talk about, well, what are the limits of some of these? And, and I would say they're semi competitors because I think you and I agree that they're not all, all apples to apples. Some do certain right. things well, some do other things well. And so let's get a little nitty gritty on that. What did you feel was missing from something like uh, Buffer and Hootsuite? I think those are the most obvious ones.
1: Yeah, so I think uh, what I felt I'm, you know, I was missing from Buffer and Hootsuite was a more collaborative approach. I missed the workflow there. I, I felt like Buffer and Hootsuite doesn't really have, it's not really a workflow solution. It's not really a workflow tool. It's more like a scheduling tool. It's just That's a scheduler. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. It's a great scheduler, but I felt like I I needed to go in into Buffer or into Hootsuite when I already had my campaign approved with my clients, when I was already you know, aligned internally with my team, when we already knew what we needed to schedule. We were going into Buffer or Hootsuite, we were planning those posts, scheduling them, and Buffer and Hootsuite were doing an amazing job on you know automatically publishing them on our behalf. But then I was still using Excel and email to you know send and share the work we were creating for the clients, to you know, gather comments from them, get their approvals from them. So we're still using quite a lot of other tools. You know, we were keeping the files in like a Drive or Dropbox po- folder, you know, the JIS, all the videos, assets, and so on. So we still, we, we, we had a very fragmented process before we could actually manage, you know, manage to use Buffer and Hootier. Mm-hmm. So that's where Planable comes into into hand because you can manage all that process before uh, you need to schedule, before you know what you need to schedule, mm-hmm. And then we do scheduling and publishing as well, but that's only as a consequence. I wouldn't say that we're the best scheduler in the world because that's not what we focus on. We focus on actually helping you work together better with your colleagues.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, that's more akin to Sprout Social because Sprout Social takes it that next step and says, let me actually, you know, put it in, you know, let's pretend this is where it's at. And it does put it in, I would say, social media purgatory and awaits the scheduling doesn't need to be done again, if the client simply comes in and approves it. And so kind of what you were talking about with, you know, Buffer and Hootsuite is that if there were edits, okay, great, it's scheduled. But now it's quite a pain to go back and edit something you've already had scheduled. Whereas, you know, what Plannable has accomplished then is giving you this live format to say, this is actually what it looks like in the environment. Um, And so you have a lot more similarities to Sprout Social. But tell me about one word in specific that you brought up at the beginning. And that was Elegant. So, yes. tell us about what <laughs> Planable does to, you know, visually. What 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 does that real world, you know, look like, and why is that important?
1: Yeah. So that's actually what sets us apart from Sprout Social. Though Sprout Social is definitely a bit more collaborative than Hootsuite and Buffer. I would say that they're collaborative on their. Um, I don't know how it's called, like the community management module that they have, Uh, it's very collaborative there, you know, you get comments, incoming comments from your audience and together with your team, you can manage those. But on the content production side, I didn't feel that that it's that, you know, collaborative. Um, What we do uh, that differentiates us from Sprout Social is the visibility of the content. So when you plan content inside planable, it looks exactly like the final version on social media. So it's a real, you know, a live mock-up, a live preview of what you're gonna get in the end. So we take that very, very seriously, and the content that you're creating inside Planable is very accurate to the final version, and you can actually interact with it. You know, If it's a carousel post, if it's a GIF, you can play around with it. You can see and experience it as though it's already live. So I think that sets us apart from the majority of the social media management tools. Right.
0: Now, you and I talked a little bit about the difference between, you know, B to B2C to and B2B. B. And this is, I yeah. kind of think, where we you and I have an interesting, like if you put us together, we make a really <laughs> great whole person. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. But you know, our my firm here at Little Bird Marketing has built the expertise around B2B lead generation. And then, you know, this last year I acquired another agency and it is a B2C model. And certainly those worlds in social promotion, it just, you know, really that's where I I think the rubber hits the road where these two different strategies are incredibly different. So, you know, if you had to pick, you know, B2B or B2C, not that, not that they're mutually exclusive, but which, in which environment does Planable really shine?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think in B2C, it, it definitely shines better than in B2B. I think B2B is, is an interesting space and, you know, we're doing B2B for Planable, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so I, I have you know I have B2C and B2B in in my mind kind of mixed together, right? <laughs> um, because what we're doing as marketing for Planable is B2B, but all our most of our customers are doing B2C through Planable. So I think I think you know that's where it definitely shines the most, mm-hmm. um, because it can you know help you establish a more real time. Communication and have you know better and brighter content for your consumers. Mm-hmm. So I think that's you know I I see that mostly consumer brands are the ones that are getting the most value mm-hmm. um, out of Planable because their frequency of posting is a bit different than the one uh, on the B2B side. They use more you know micro content. They use more channels. Um, than the B2Bs. Um, so I, I think, you know, they're the ones to really
0: uh, get the most out of Planable right no that's is, that's is really insightful i I would say that you know what the thing that I love about this conversation and all these tools and uh, and even this mindset is that you know I still am in the agency world and we're production you know related yeah. we have we have deliverables we have to get out, and there can be that pressure to get the deliverables out and I kind of see like that plannable with the really like what you said the elegant visual of it. It helps people get out of that, you know, what I would call maybe the get shit done mode, <laughs> <You know? laughs> which we have to be in sometimes. In fact, I have a sign in my office that reminds me sometimes um, because we're in a creative studio and sometimes we can really, you know, pontificate on it and we can really, you know, um, you know, ideate for a long time. But I like this idea of, you know, being able to see the really product of it. And it's like there's, a, you know, when you're just working on a scheduler, that kind of puts you in a mindset of just getting it done and just scheduling it. Whereas if you're in this visual application of it, it puts you more in the mind, mindset of what I ask people all the time here before you press, you know, send, is this little bird worthy? Yeah, or you know wow, at my, at my clear, you know at my clear entertainment and marketing group, is this clear worthy? Because you know it's one thing in a spreadsheet and with the attachment, and all of a sudden we can start feeling like we're working on widgets, but we really are mm-hmm. trying to move the needle and engage people socially, and that involves emotion and it involves the visual, the absolutely primarily, and so getting past that, you know, that just getting it done and into being engaged with the visual as it appears in real life is is such a big it, it's such a big shift i think
1: i i 100 agree i remember that i needed this so much back then when <laughs> i had an agency that you know i had a template and photoshop and i was going in there and i was mocking wow. up you know how my post is gonna look like because i just wanted you know to see to actually mm-hmm. see how everything is gonna you know look together and for sometimes sometimes you know for clients I wanted to impress them and show them here's how your campaign is gonna look like (laughs) yeah I know but then
0: then tomorrow uh, you know Facebook changed the you know the size and I I don't think Mark Mark probably didn't call you and let (laughs) you know that that's what he was gonna do
1: (laughs) yeah back then a few years ago Facebook didn't make that many changes with Mm -hmm. with pages right they made like big changes but you know Every you know, six, few six months I would say, uh, but now it is it is a bit crazy. It's crazy for us as well because we mm-hmm. need to keep the accuracy of how posts look,
0: so we need mm-hmm. to change our platform all the time. <laughs> right, right. It is that is something I think all of us didn't really anticipate, but yeah, now this yeah. is this is the real world. Well, let's talk brass tacks a little bit because you know my audience is looking for tools and they want to know what fits so I mean can they take Planable out for a drive how does a demo work how does the price compare you know to uh, some of these other offerings so because a lot of my audience is familiar with a lot of these other offerings so kind of give us the give us that kind of an idea so people know hey is this really for me and if I wanted to try it out how could I do that.
1: Yeah, definitely. So we have 2 weeks of free trial so you can play sure. around with the product, see
0: how it <laughs> works get, for yourself. Play around and get hooked. <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> and then after those uh, 2 weeks of free trial, you have an option, you know, to choose one of the plans that best fit for you, right? We have starter plans for smaller businesses and freelancers and then, you know, we have premium plans that are for, you know, medium teams. Um, and the pricing point works around how many people you need and how many Workspaces you need, and workspaces are being defined. You know by how many projects, how many clients, or how many brands you need to manage inside Planable. And um, in terms of you know comparing it to other solutions on the market, I think Planable is very SMB friendly. If you have you know, collaborative teams and you have, you know, more people involved in the social media uh, side. So the more people you, you need, you know, the more affordable, Planable gets, gets um, if, you know, if we talk about teamwork. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Now you have worked with very large, you know, Fortune, you know, one hundred companies in the past. Um, you know, just you understand the strategy, you understand the collaboration, you understand the creative. But is Planable? You said it is built more for the SMB market. Um, do you could you see a large enterprise still working on Planable, or is that not really what it's it's built to do?
1: No, yeah, um it is actually built to do that as well I think it ac- it is very flexible and it accommodates different sizes of you know of teams we have small teams of you know two to three people um working with with clients or just you know internally and we also have teams of 20 uh, 30 to 40 people working on on big social media campaigns one of our enterprise clients is Jaguar landover in in the UK uh, so it's definitely it can definitely accommodate bigger enterprises, not just SMBs, but it is SMB friendly because that's where I came from. So I know how important it is for SMBs to have access to tools as well, because I remember back then, you know, I couldn't afford Sprout Social, for example, Um, Buffer and Hootsuite were, you know, were okay. But like, for example, Sprout Social, that was not something I could afford when I was just starting out my agency. So when we built Planable, I wanted uh, to make it more friendly as well for smaller businesses. <laughs> I,
0: I also remember when the cost of Sprout Social, we were like, huh, but even more, I remember, can you imagine when I had to listen to the price on HubSpot? Oh, yes.
1: Yes, <laughs> Happy, luckily enough, I see mm-hmm. that HubSpot is making steps into the startup uh, startup space. So they have quite some very good discounts for startups. Um, so I appreciate them for that.
0: <laughs> right. And kind of to your point too, it's just like we're, you know, these are not necessarily apples to apples, but I think it right. is interesting to have people hear us as two professionals discussing it. What would we say about these kinds of things? You know, we have a lot of clients on HubSpot, but I have a lot of sophisticated clients and yeah. B2B and we need very different things and we're measuring very different KPIs, you know, but when you have a smaller company, you know, it's really about for us being agnostic and finding the best fit, which is why I'm always so interested in having these conversations. So, um, yeah, this is this is super helpful. And it's just a tiny piece of transparency. You know, uh, uh, Zinni didn't pay to come on this show. This is you know, <laughs> this is my show. I get to pick who I want, who I think is uh, is going to bring a very good conversation. You know, to, to my audience and be meaningful and relevant. Um, but I did ask her if I give her, you know, a real chance to be honest. What am I good at? What am I not? I did ask her to get an offer to uh, our audience. So what did your, what did your team come up with?
1: Yeah, so we would be very, very happy to uh, give a 20% discount for a year for everyone who uses the Little Bird marketing code. I think you'll include it somewhere okay. <laughs> next to the podcast for people to actually be able to copy and use it. But okay. yes, we are very, very happy to share this discount 20% off every month for a year. So, yeah. Comment test the product and see for yourself.
0: (laughs) That's very cool. That's very cool. So before we talk, I want to talk a little bit about kind of you as an entrepreneur and a little bit of that story. But uh, if people have questions, because Xenia, you you know, your name is so unusual, I'm going to spell it out for people so (laughs) they can connect with you online and they can continue the conversation. But if you want to catch her at uh, in LinkedIn or on Twitter, it's uh, Xenia X E N I A, and it's Montana, but it's M U N. T E A N, and she's simply those uh, her two names together at Twitter, and you can also find her exactly like that on LinkedIn. But you could follow the Twitter uh, for Planable by uh, using Planable app, P L A N A B L E A P P. So go check that out and ask her very specific questions about it. If this is working for you, or write us back with other questions and saying, yeah, you know, I've heard you talk with the HubSpot people. I've heard you talk with Planable. You know, these are my questions about Hootsuite. We use we use Sprout Social as well. So we have a lot of good, you know, just industry info. And we're happy to pull the curtain back and really help people find the right product for the way that they work. And I loved what you said, Zinnia, about workflow. Yeah, <laughs> Understand your workflow. So let's talk a little bit just real quick before we end um, about, you know, in transitioning from an agency world mm-hmm. and into really being a software provider. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what what worked? What didn't work? Do you remember some interesting highs and lows or, you know, things that surprised you?
1: Yeah, so that's that's a really interesting question. So I remember when when I was thinking about this transition, um, even before I had, you know, even before I had the plannable idea, when I was thinking about building a software at some point in my life, I was thinking, you know, about the fact that, it just seems, it, it, it seemed very simple to me back then. Really, I wouldn't say easy, but to me, it seems like, okay, you build software, you put it on the market, and, you know, it's recurring subscriptions, you just build, you know, you just build this user base, customer base, and it just keeps on, you know, on coming. It's kind of like a passive income, right? So you build it, it's recurring, it stays, it stays there, you know, it, it, it seemed very straightforward and simple in a way to me when I was thinking about this, you know, even before I had a plannable idea. But then when I started building the business, I realized that, you know, yes, the agency life is tough. You know, we spend our um, nights and weekends on on client work, on, you know, growing the the business. But the software business is, to me, it is so much harder. And that's because, I don't know, maybe that's, that's just because of, you know, my own personality, but I can't stop at, you know, at, at, I can't stop at generating this amount of revenue and that's all, you know, I'm, I'm always like, I'm excited to go in. I'm excited to see where I can take it. So I'm always doing more, you know, I can't just stop at generating this amount, you know, having this uh, user base or this customer base and transforming it into a lifestyle business. So we took the venture uh, capital uh, path. You know, we raised uh, an investment from, from VCs. So we didn't, you know, we, we really wanted to make it big. So I, I realized that my expectations of software business being, you know, you just build it, put it on the, you know, on the web and people are just going to come. That's, that's really not true. Uh, so it is even, you know, more complicated than, than I expected. Right.
0: right. Well, and just even one small piece of that first, besides the complication of building the software, uh, and then obviously you have building a sales team, but raising venture capital is, it's a complete own world. Yeah, it's a
1: different beast.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I work with a lot of other women in business. And um, it's interesting, we've talked a couple times about having a panel where people who have, you know, um, who have raised this kind of venture capital can really talk openly. And I think there's a lot of uh, a lot to be said for that. Um, I'll just give a plug for Kristen Luck and then Seema Vasa. They're um, good friends of mine who have done scaling and growth hacking and all kinds of things, you know, related in in that kind of consulting world. And they specialize in these kinds of things. And, you know, if you have questions about that, certainly reach out to Zinnia about her experience. And um, you can always listen back on a couple of other podcast episodes where I interview those other two ladies. And it's hard. I think that's what I'm hearing from you, Zinnia, is like, you know, it, it it, you know, it, having an idea is one thing, but really executing it, um, you know, on the day to day, it there is kind of no stopping point. <laughs> so it, it feels yeah. like you're constantly on. Is that is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. So I feel like you're constantly on, but at the same time, you're constantly on on so more, so many more things than in the agency life, right? In the agency life, it was about the clients, it was about the campaign and the content that we were creating for them. It was about the team as well, but the team, you know, at least with my own agency, was not growing that fast as it is with my my startup now. So I think, you know, when you're building a startup, there's so many more things that you need to be aware of and grow them, you know, the product, UI, UX, uh, you know, build. Uh, build so many things and, you know, recruiting, uh, building your network, fundraising, and those those things were not present in my agency life. So just being constantly on, but involved in so many more than with the agency.
0: Yeah, that's how I would summarize it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's, let's end on a quick rapid fire, just a little bit on a more personal side. Tell us about some great advice and some horrible advice you've received over your career.
1: Yeah. uh, Good advice and horrible advice. Uh, Let me think. So I think great advice I I received was uh, to start um, building relationships and grow my network very early on in my company's life. I think that's super, super important uh, because it's not just about you and your co-founders. It's about so many other people that can support you later on. So I think investing in that right when you're studying, or even before you're starting
0: a company is is crucial
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's awesome that's awesome and, and obviously you know it, it's something that does fit your personality I mean we yeah. met virtually <laughs> and it you know that now we're on what the fourth conversation and it's just it's already just totally meaty and and so obviously that plays to your strengths so what's some bad yeah. advice you got along the way
1: Oh, uh, yeah, I got, I got a really weird advice at some point, you know, that I should be more ruthless, you know, I should be more of like a shark. <laughs> and I think, I think that's a very, you know, testosterone infused bullshit, to be honest, <laughs> because I think it, it really, really pays off to be, to be nice with, with people, you know, not overly nice, but like genuinely nice and kind. I think yeah. that can, that can play well.
0: hmm. Well, I mean, I, you and I are going to be connected for a long time. The reality yeah. is it's like, yeah, I have this, for, this, you know, platform I've built. And, yeah, it's super valuable to you, you know. And so, yeah, I can have you on and you can talk. And it's amazing for you to get, you know, reach out there. But it's amazing for me to have a really, you know, a smart and an intuitive, you know, guest on. So we both got what we wanted. And yeah. I don't think you get there by being ruthless.
1: Yeah, or I I don't say, you know, you should definitely be strong and, like, powerful, but not, you know, aggressive. I wouldn't do that. (laughs) I I don't think that suits my personality. But I know, you know, where that advice came from, you know, when you're working with, you know, when you're you're fundraising, you have to paint a specific image of yourself, you know, this very, uh, very, like, strong founder uh, but I think you know showing off vulnerabilities and showing you know showing what you know and what you don't know um, I think I think that can that can actually impress other people uh, being you know so open
0: right oh I love it. Okay, so you have a podcast that you listen to, something that's been helping you or are you more of a you know catching up on blogs kind of person? How does that yeah. work for you?
1: Yes, yeah, so I'm not really into blogs lately. I mostly consume, you know, video in the morning, <laughs> YouTube, really. And then uh, podcasts when I drive. And one podcast that I, you know, <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say that I just recently discovered is Freakonomics. So Freakonomics oh, so good. is so good. And I do not know how I didn't, you know, listen to it before. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's, it's really great. So I, I, I think it, it's really amazing to listen to when you know you're driving on the highway you're relaxed and you, you know you just get into the story that they're telling so yeah I love
0: that one you might also like how I built this with Guy Raz yes uh, is this it's great it has,
1: yeah it has been recommended to me <laughs> so oh, yeah, yeah I, I that's just
0: yeah your personality I think you would really like it and I, I do in, in, enjoy that so uh what about uh are you is there a book you want to highlight that you're reading right now or just one you'd love to come back to all the time
1: yeah, so I feel like I'm I'm always coming back to the to the sapiens book by Noah Harari. Um, it is really really great. So now I'm reading 21 lessons from him, and it is it is amazing. It's just you know discovering so many things about humanity. Um, you know, it really it really makes me rethink so many things about how society was built. So I totally 100% recommend it to to anyone
0: well, you're relational and you know, looking for a win-win with other people and uh, actually trying to build something that's super helpful. So that really falls into the yes. same alignment. <laughs> yes. I love it. Well, what's the future for Planable? Where, where are we going to see you guys next? Is there something really big on the horizon or? Yeah. So I think, yeah, there's a
1: few things that we're planning. Um, one of them is a rebranding. We're actually going through a rebranding process. And in a few months, we're going to launch it. So stay awesome. tuned for a new cool uh, visual identity.
0: <laughs> Gosh, I mean, it, the the visual identity is pretty cool already. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be really <laughs> interested. I'm going to to see what you feel is a notch above. So Zinnia, this has been super fun. Thank you so much for coming and being on our show.
1: Thank you so much. I loved every every minute of it. Thank
0: you so <laughs> awesome. <much. laughs> well, check them out on Twitter at planable app and obviously planable.io. So thank you so much, and from all of us here at Little Marketing, thanks for listening and have a great day and happy marketing.